Greetings, my brothers and sisters, and welcome to Contemplicate, where I hope you can come to better know Jesus by using your imagination in the Gospels, just like the saints did. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad. The feast of Corpus Christi is upon us, the feast of the body and blood of Jesus. Almost every time that I uh, record this, I go um, to adoration first. And the uh, monstrance that I kneel in front of is uh, is beautiful. Um, but it has a, a blue ring right outside the house, bordered by gold. And in gold letters, it says, Ecce Panis Angelorum. And, and then it goes on. And that's the bread, behold the bread of angels. And that comes from a really long poem that uh, is is usually read on Corpus Christi. Um, it's the sequence. And that poem was written by a guy named Thomas of Aquinas, St. Thomas of Aquinas. And St. Thomas was amazing. Uh, one of the reasons I find him the most amazing is that he, he had a mind, an unparalleled mind, in, in the history of the world for understanding and explaining the faith. Um, but a lot of times uh, pe- people think differently. So the, so the way that you think is actually very different than how someone else might think and what you put importance on. And a lot of times people with, with great minds for, for dissecting the, the truth can uh, sometimes be less on fire, <laughs> feel the feel the emotion a little a little less, but that was not the case with Thomas. He he both um, intellectually understood the faith better than, than probably anybody, but also in his heart was on fire for for love of of Jesus. He would uh, sit in the church with his head leaning against the tabernacle in prayer. Um, this was not uh, a rigid man um, of logic this is also a man with with a great a great heart but it's it's great that his poem is read on Corpus Christi because we owe to him the greatest explanation of what what is happening in that bread up there on the altar so first I want you to imagine that you are a newborn baby so this really happened, right? You, you, were, you were a newborn baby. We all were at some point. None of us came out at five years old. We were all a little baby. You probably have seen pictures. Just, just imagine that. That was you, right? I wasn't a different person. Nope, that was 100% you. And just imagine that, that little thing that you were, you know, being held in the arms of, of your mother, um, you know, laying above the baptismal font and the water pouring over you and the Holy Spirit coming into your soul and, and cleansing it um, and becoming a, a daughter or son of, of the Father in heaven. That little thing. And, and now you know what you are right now, right? Like you're, you're a pretty fast runner, I bet. Or you, you've got a lot of energy or um, like you're full of life. Now, now I want you to imagine 
a long time from now, you know, 60, 70, 80 years from now, imagine, you know, what the oldest person you know looks like. That's, God willing, going to be you someday, right? You're going to be kind of bent over. You might have to walk with a walker um, and you're going to move really slow and your skin's going to look different and your voice is going to sound different. But all those people, the baby, the you that you are right now, and the old person that you will become, those are all the same person. Same exact person, right? But they all look, they look very, very, very different. So there's something going on um, in, in what something is more so than what, than what it looks like. And St. Thomas calls this the substance and accidents. He says that a tree isn't a tree just because of all these certain molecules that are piled on top of each other and then it has this, this certain DNA that makes it a certain thing. No, a tree is a tree because it has the substance of a tree. And that substance of a tree is the same that tree was six inches tall as when it's 90 feet tall. It's the same tree, but it looks very different. So the most important thing about what something is, is this thing called substance. And you can't look at substance through a microscope. And you can't explain what substance is through how many, you know, the arrangement of molecules that it has. It, it's there. And it's the most important thing. But you can't, you can't see it. But you can know it. Like, we know it when a tree is a tree. And we know that when you were a baby and, when you, and now you, that you're a kid, it's the same person. And you'll be the same person when you're old, too. So... In, in the Eucharist, when, when the priest takes the bread and he bows over it and he holds it in his hand and he says the words of Jesus and he's, he's acting in the person of Jesus, for this is my body. The substance of that bread changes. The appearances do not change. They do sometimes in miracles. But normally, they do not change. And those are called the, the accidents. Not, that, not an accident that they were a mistake. It's a different, different use of the word accident. But the accidents are the same. It still looks like the bread. It still tastes like the bread. But it is not bread. There is no bread left on the altar. There is no bread left on that altar. It is the body of blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus, of the second person of the Trinity who came forth from the Father, whom the Father loved with all his being, and who he asked of the same love of the Son, and so the Son gives of himself to us. So accidents are appearances. But it is the substance that makes something what it is. And that substance is entirely changed. There is no bread. There is no wine. There is only flesh, body, and blood of Jesus Christ, your Savior, on that altar. So before we start our meditation, I have two meditation aids for you. One is a link to a, a hymn, the Ecce Pane Sanje Lorum which you could play after the meditation to help you meditate. 
And the other one is to look up pictures of the cynical. The cynical is the upper room. What a holy place on on the earth. You know, it's where uh, the first mass happened, you know, where the last supper happened. It's where the first mass happened when Jesus wasn't there. You know, when probably St. Peter held the first mass in remembrance of the last supper. You know, it's where the first tabernacle was. It's where the first adoration chapel was. It's where the Holy Spirit came down upon the apostles. It's where Mary lived for um, you know a long time after Jesus died. This uh, this holy place um, that we've meditated on a couple times before is look up a picture of that. So I want you to imagine that you're you're in that cynical, that upper pillared room. And I want you to ask the Holy Spirit, just as he came down upon the apostles in that room, to come down upon you. Come down upon me, Holy Spirit, and help me to understand this mystery of Jesus being present with us under the appearances of bread and wine. So you're there with all the apostles and with Jesus. And you're eating this this supper, this Passover feast of unleavened bread and roasted lamb and herbs and wine. And after the supper is finished, or or at the end of the supper, Jesus takes takes the bread. He takes this 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 round. It's not really a loaf because it was unleavened. It would have been flat. He takes it and he breaks it. He says the blessing and he gives it to his disciples saying, Take it. This is my body. And they take it and they eat it. Now, I just want to pause here. When when Jesus was on earth, right? It would have been so good to see Jesus on earth. But... You know, his closest group, his friends, the 12. Even they, there's 12 of them. They all longed for a deeper relationship with Jesus. They all wanted to be closer to Jesus. That's right. That's why right before this, James and John, you know, are, are they're arguing like, who's going to sit the, at Jesus's right hand in heaven? You know, they want to be closer to Jesus. They can't get enough of Jesus. And so, even more so than than when Jesus is among them, right now, he gives them his body so that he can be one with them in a way that he couldn't even be as a human being. He could come and he could hug them, but he couldn't come inside and dwell with them. So that's what he, that's what he does in the Last Supper is he gives them his body so he can be with them, that he can be united with them. Then he takes the cup. He gives thanks and he gives it to the disciples and they drink from it. And he says to them, this is my blood of the covenant, which will be shed for many. We, my uh, wife and I, we just went on a trip. We left our kids for several days. And when we came back, 
uh, and my wife went and got the kids and she said they just they, they didn't say anything they just came and they sat on her lap for a long time and didn't really say anything when there's someone we love we just want to be close to them Jesus loves us so much in a different gospel before this meal he says I have longed with all my heart to share this meal with you and each mass he's saying that to you even if you can't receive communion yet he has longed to share this meal with you he longs to come with you to be with you Ask Mary, who is the first person to receive Jesus inside of herself at the Annunciation, who is really only the ever-worthy person to receive Jesus. Ask her to help you to be worthy, to receive Jesus, the body and blood of Jesus inside of you. And that our souls might be washed clean in the blood of the Lamb. God bless you.